While the crypto world was screaming for much lower prices, Bitcoin has bounced and Solana is up roughly 30% since I panicked and basically market bought a week ago on this very show after we took a look at the chart. Is it time to start looking at altcoins? Is Bitcoin going right back up to 46,000? And what's going on with the ETF? I know it's everybody's favorite topic, but it's important that we stay on top of it. So of course, if I'm going to stay on top of it, I bring on James Safer from Bloomberg to talk about the flows, what's going on with the Ethereum spot ETF, what's going on with the marketing battle, what's going on with the Google ads. There are a lot of things going on in ETF world. And of course, after that, I've got John Wick coming on, looking at trading alpha and charts to help us decipher this market. It's going to be a massive show, guys. Let's go. Let's go. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of All Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel. Hit that like button. Are you guys sick of me saying that at the beginning of every show? I'm really sick of saying that at the beginning of every show. It's stupid. I don't really care if you like it. I would be nice, I guess, if you subscribed uh, and you know my name. Maybe I need like a new intro vibe. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll just go, that's dope. That's dope. That's dope. I don't know. I guess, I guess uh, it gives you your thing. Like there's the guys who... You know, I'm George. We're all George. That's cool. Everybody knows it. So maybe I just need to stick with it. Guys, my brain, full ADHD today, if you can't tell, because uh, that was probably the inner monologue coming through the mic on the outside. Let's talk about the market. Let's talk about spot ETFs. Let's talk about Solana skyrocketing. I've got everybody's favorite guest. You know, you guys love it. We've got James from Bloomberg. You've gotten no rest, man. You, you guys are still uh, um, in the Kentucky Derby full speed, it seems. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I definitely finally started to get some rest. I'm not, uh, I'm not staying up till midnight to update these charts anymore or do anything like that. News is, we're not, we don't have tra traditional uh, media people coming out to me, ask mainstream media people asking me for for numbers at like midnight because they want to write an article early in the morning. So. I'm posting a little later in the mornings than I used to. I'm not super worried, but yeah, we're we're on top of it. We're watching it, obviously, and we've seen a bit of a turnaround here. We had uh, 255 million net inflow yesterday, so that's the biggest net inflow since the first week of trading. Um, that's huge. Last week we were talking about outflows, net outflows, right? Because so, the, I guess break that down. I know I interrupted you, but does that mean less GBTC selling, or does it mean more inflows into the other ones? Um, it's both right now. I mean, so for the most part, both were going down, right? We were seeing less selling. So we had this peak in GBTC selling that that happened um, last week. Um, and But we started, started to taper off as the week went on, right? Um, but we also saw tapering off in buying of the new Bitcoin ETFs, the newborn nine, as we call them. But yesterday, we had big days from both iShares and Fidelity, iBit and FBTC, where both around $200 million in inflows. So Grayscale saw 192-ish out yesterday, and each one of the um, each one of BlackRock and Fidelity took in more money than than Grayscale lost. Which honestly, I thought I thought we were going to see more money pouring out, and I didn't know we, I didn't think we'd see as much come in. Uh, so this is a little surprising to me, but it's a it's a pretty sharp turn. That again, this we could be, see the exact opposite happen today. Yeah, today. Could this be at all a function of the delay? You know, like uh, it's all the GBT sellers from last week are finally getting their cash and able to buy BlackRock and Fidelity this week. Basically, it's only it's, Tuesdays. Yeah, one of the things I wrote about a couple of weeks ago is like, look, there's going to be money that comes out of GBTC and some of it is not immediately going to be able to come back in. There's there's some some people have accounts where like you wire money in and it's like the the money hasn't settled but you can buy if you want like you will will yeah. will basically give you a line to credit um and I guess some accounts don't so like if you have to wait till your GBTC sales to settle that's T plus two so you have to wait two days uh, before you can use that same capital to buy back in so that could be part of it um I I think for the most part this is just net new buying I, I think people are probably buying on momentum um a little bit here after, as Bitcoin flew off the bottoms we're over forty three right now. Literally nothing is better marketing for Bitcoin than higher prices of Bitcoin or any market for to, to be honest. But I always say that the price going up is what's going to make people excited about it. Not the fact that they can get into a syncretic risk in their portfolio, which we all like to tell them, you know. Hey, I mean, if you look at um, some advisors, definitely will be more care more about the, the idiosyncratic risk stuff. There's some there's some real nerdy advisors out there who like 
that everyone's like, I, I heard people on spaces and podcasts yesterday saying like, yeah, no, we, uh, my view is that I think this is going to dampen volatility because advisors, they work in spreadsheets, they work in these models. And if they decide they're going to put Bitcoin in, it's going to be at a set allocation and they're going to sell or buy. People are like, no, no, no. Everyone is human and, and rational and like buys on momentum and sells on momentum. Like that is not how like a lot of the traditional financial world. That's why people pay these advisors a lot of money because they act without emotion when they're doing these things. So um, I think that I don't, I don't think we're going to see as much of that in, in the ETF world, but it, it's. I think they're going to be very interested in the idiosyncratic nature we've seen uh, so far with Bitcoin in its history. Yeah, traditional investors don't let something that they want to be 2% of their portfolio become 20% of their portfolio. Exactly. Right? I mean, it's yes. exactly, yeah, everybody yeah. criticizes Kathy Wood for selling Coinbase stock or selling any of these things. They became too overweighted. She has to reweight. That's what you do. You literally decide your portfolio allocation and you manage around that. And that is what is going to happen. But the good news is they got to get in first before they're going to be able to sell when it goes up to reallocate. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So listen, I've got a little dashboard here just to give people an idea of the beat of what's going on with the ETFs. This might be slightly off, but IBIT, which is BlackRock, at 2.46 billion, I'm seeing AUM. Now Fidelity over 2 billion as well. Right, GBTC down to about 21. And then we even have, you know, ARC and BITB bitwise at 600 million. I mean, all of these are monster ETFs for only being a few weeks old. Am I wrong? I mean, monster ETFs. Yeah, for being a few weeks old, these are extremely successful. I mean, you could even, you can include um, Invesco's, Invesco Galaxy BTCO, uh, Vanex Holdel, Valkyries Burr, and they're all over a hundred million. I mean, that is, those are all successful ETF launches. If you're talking about a couple weeks in, right. No matter how you slice it, those are successful launches. Uh, granted right now they have a 0% fee. So these people aren't making any money on them for right now for almost all of they them. Will. Uh, yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, they're, they are successful launches by any traditional metric. So I think a lot of people had these massive hyped expectations around like what this is going to look like. And I guess, I don't think no matter what the ETFs did, unless they sent the, the price to 100,000, people would have been saying it was a disappointment. But from my point of view, looking at ETFs and how ETFs normally operate, this was an absolute smashing success. We have a comment here, Scott. So now we have to worry about rebalancing sell-offs. Come on, man. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it's going to dampen volatility when you know that people are going to rebalance when price goes up. That's not, we're not, I'm not saying it sends price down. I'm saying it might limit how fast price goes up when we get to more traditional market. It, it, uh, it will do the opposite too. It, it will probably limit how fast price goes down in some regards. Granted, right. these things usually like they'll rebalance quarterly. Some might do it monthly, but for the most part, it's like a quarterly thing. So if price is collapsing and they're, 5% allocation is now down to 2% allocation. Do you know what they're going to be doing? <laughs> they're going to be net buyers. They're going to be bringing that allocation back up to 5%. 100%. So listen, we know now what the AUM is. We can assume that GBTC hopefully is slowing on the sell-off. Like you said, that could spike any day. Never know. But for now, the trend is in the right direction. Now we need to talk about the future and what happens, right? Because we've had the idea that we're going to see this massive marketing campaign. Well, Google Ads finally changed their policy. We knew it was coming to allow for marketing of these ETFs. And it took about 13 seconds for Van Eck, Franklin Templeton, and BlackRock to be right at the top of your Google search. For anyone who didn't see this, if you search, you get the sponsored ad. So they were waiting in the wings. This policy, let's be honest, was changed for them. right? They, 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 Google started talking about changing this policy before these were even approved knowing that they were coming. And now we're seeing the marketing war begin, at least on Google ads. We already talked about the commercials. I mean, this is huge. People, I, I don't know how you can understate the fact that all of these companies are spending millions and millions of dollars to market Bitcoin. Yeah. I mean, there is no other way to slice it. And, and also they're battling with each other to do it. So like, it's, they're spending a lot of money to basically market your, your your the asset that people listening to the show are likely holding a significant chunk of their net worth in, right? So it's I, I don't know how anyone can say it's a bad thing. I mean, I saw my first uh, so I listen to Bloomberg TV in my ear um, most chunk of the day, like that's what I do, um, podcasts, you know, you name it. But for the most part, if I'm not if I'm not really trying to pay attention, I have Bloomberg in my ear, and I I, I heard my first Van X Bitcoin ETF total. Uh, commercial and I turned it on. And I just watched the commercial. You go into the airport. I mean, this has been this case for months, but you go into the airports and GBTC commercials are everywhere. 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 <laughs> I, I so I'm in St. Louis right now. So I flew a couple of days ago and I was just like, man, this air everywhere. Every single screen is just has GBTC up there. I'm like, this is wild. It's insane. It's insane. And I mean, it's literally like Coke and Pepsi level of 
Yeah. They're spending a lot of money. BTC. It blows my mind that they're spending so much money and effectively going to get no inflows. Maybe there are a lot of people actually out there who see it and just buy and aren't aware of the fees. Maybe there's an echo chamber thing and they are the biggest and people see that. Maybe they do have a lot of inflow that we're just kind of not seeing because the selling pressure is still there. I'll, I'll take the other side. I'll play devil's advocate here because um, because there, I think a lot of people in this echo chamber that would be listening to this or that are on crypto Twitter are just like 1.5%. I can't believe this. I'm getting out and switching. There are definitely a lot of people who just bought this thing because they wanted exposure to Bitcoin and have no idea, probably don't even know it converted to an ETF, have no idea probably how an expense ratio even works. We see this all the time with ETFs. ETFs, they get huge. They get a lot of assets and then they lose favor and then a bunch of money pours out. But there's still like 50% of the assets in some of these things just are there forever. They become trading vehicles. People use them for short-term things. People stays. And then also we don't know how much like those – we don't know what that marketing is doing. Like you said, maybe there's somebody in the airport that's like, yeah, I should buy Bitcoin. And then they see GBTC and just click buy, and it's offsetting some of the outflows that we're seeing. So, um, yeah, I, I uh, my estimate was 25%. I thought GBTC would lose 25% before we saw the 1.5% fee, I guess I'll up that now to maybe a third of the shares will leave, but we're only around 19, 20% so far and it's, it's slowing pretty heavily. So we'll see where it stops. Yeah. And the, so we obviously know, like you're saying, now you're seeing actual commercials on TV. So we've got that. I'm wondering if we're going to start seeing Super Bowl ads uh, in two weeks or anything <laughs> like that, but uh, that didn't go that well for us last time to be quite honest. But the other way that these guys are battling still is this uh, fee war, right? So ETF race heats up as Invesco and Galaxy slash fee. They were at 0.39%, I guess, just too high to compete, down to 0.25% already. So the fee war is still going on even after the launches here, repositioning and trying to sort of jockey for, uh, for attention here. I mean, this is crazy. I'm not an ETF guy, but we've never seen anything like this. Yeah, I mean the ETF we, we ETF war the fee war is something we constantly talk about in the ETF world and it usually plays out over years, right? Somebody undercuts by a basis point or two and then they start taking in more flows than a competitor and their competitors forced to to cut there as well. We see billions of dollars move in these traditional financial ETFs like whether it's a S&P 500 ETF or an aggregate bond ETF that'll move because one thing is one basis point less than the other. Um, so we saw basically years of, of fee battling happen in, in little days, weeks even, right before these things launched. The one thing I would say is I, I know why Invesco is doing this and Galaxy are doing this. They probably had people they have relationships with that told them they would buy the fund. And they're like, I know you're at 0%, but after that, I have these other options that are only going to be at 19, 20 bips, 25 bips. Like, I can't justify paying 15 bips more uh, after this six month period. And they're just like, all right, I guess we just have to cut the fee because the, otherwise we're not going to get these clients in. Um, so I'm guessing that's what happened. They want to be competitive. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how it plays out for them. But again, they're, no matter how you slice it, yes, they're not at the top of the, the table here for, for getting inflows, but they are doing very well as a newborn ETF. Um, so yeah. th there's a lot of success happening here across the board. Alchemist says Matt Damon in an astronaut suit buying meme coins ad and Bobby <laughs> ads on Mars. You think we can get that? <laughs> What's the over under of Matt Damon coming back in and doing Be Bold or whatever uh, that was that last campaign? I don't, uh, I don't know, man. I don't think uh, I think that's when we sell. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think you want to see a Bitcoin ad probably in the Super Bowl. I, I, I don't yeah, think hard that's what you want to say. Yeah. Hard you'd rather, maybe, you'd rather maybe. see these ads like in, in between um, Antiques Roadshow or like the Weather Channel or something and, like that. And in the deep pages <laughs> of the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, Exactly. So listen, we talk about these constantly in the United States. I think we know that they already existed in Canada. It didn't matter to the United States market, but these were huge actually relatively in Canada, South America, parts of Europe. Now the big conversation is what's going to happen in Hong Kong. So I don't think people realize maybe in the United States that just because BlackRock launches a spot Bitcoin ETF in the US doesn't mean that anyone can buy it outside the US. Yeah. Right? Like these markets largely need their own products. Yeah. So it so ironically, we we one of the things like you what the US doesn't really export all that much, right? They don't they don't send that much abroad. One thing we do export is liquidity. So if you're an institution, for the most part, 
you're probably using the U.S. market to get access to whatever ETFs you want to use for the most part. It's not always the case, but many institutions will be using the, the U.S. ETF landscape because we have so much liquidity with the most efficient capital markets, yada, yada, yada. That said, for any normal person, they can't just buy these ETFs. Like if you're in Hong Kong, you, you can't do it for the most part. Uh, just like we can't buy ETFs listed in Hong Kong or for the most part ETFs listed even in Canada, which by the way, uh, we, talk, we were talking about flows earlier. Um, European crypto funds, Bitcoin predominantly saw 130 million out and Canada saw 300 million out over the so far this month. So a lot of that money is coming here too, which it shows you what I'm talking about. We export liquidity. Um, so that said, we, we have a we have an analyst on our team who's based in Hong Kong. She's used to be a trader. She used to trade ETFs down in Australia and in Hong Kong. And so we she was saying that Hong Kong was getting an ETF before the US. And I was like, you better get it out before Jan 10 because that's when we're getting it. Um, but they announced in late December that basically, yes, we're ready to accept um, applications for these pop Bitcoin ETFs. So it's like it sounds like it's going to happen in the next couple months, uh, which will be big. As you said, that these people in, in Europe, in Europe, in Asia, like this is the way they're going to use. She wrote a note a couple of years ago saying that she thought Hong Kong was going to be the, the crypto center of the East um, because they were eventually. And then we had like, a bit of hiccups trying to kind of backtrack on some of that. Yeah. But she still is is in that camp, ultimately, that Hong Kong will be will be the financial center for, for crypto and, and the co connecting the DeFi and TradFi rails. I feel like Singapore is listening right now, they, right now and they're going to be like, hold my beer. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Not that Hong Kong take that. We know, obviously, that uh, there's sort of these hubs all over the world. But I think in general now with the United States approving these, we're going to start to see applications all over the world where they don't exist. I mean, is that a fair assumption, do you think? I think so. Yeah. I mean, we, we had them in Australia, actually, a couple of years ago was the first time we had spot Bitcoin ETFs and they just did nothing there. Uh, so it was like, oh, maybe Australia is going to take the lead here on, on these ETFs. But but no, that's not what happened. So you talked about the outflows from the Canadian ETF. I think a lot of people, myself included, to some degree, have been surprised at the general outflows from crypto related funds that are not the spot ETFs. And also the major sort of downside we saw in the first two weeks of these trading from any crypto adjacent stocks. I mean, MicroStrategy went down, Coinbase went down, miners got absolutely destroyed. The only premise I can give for that is that people said, okay, I was holding this to have exposure to Bitcoin and now I have a better way to have exposure to Bitcoin. So maybe that was also part of this temporary bloodbath alongside the GBTC type thing. And it'll... uh you know, sort of uh, recalibrate, but I think a lot of people just moved into the ETFs. I think that was in, I think there's also a lot of people that don't really care about long-term Bitcoin exposure. So they were just betting on the Bitcoin ETF. I talk to clients at, on the Bloomberg terminal all the time who like, they aren't like Bitcoin bulls or super interested in Bitcoin itself, but they saw this as a trade because we and others were so confident it was going to happen. They were, so they just went long anything that had beta exposure to the price of Bitcoin. Um, so people just basically unwound those trades. We saw that with um, with with CME Bitcoin futures. I mean, that thing is down at a peak. It had an open interest of six point three five billion dollars, and right now it's at four point five. So it's almost two billion down. Twenty one thousand Bitcoin is gone. So that's another area where we saw outflows. Which undoubtedly that was traditional financial players that were basically long this thing going into the ETF approval. And some of that is BIDO outflows, the Bitcoin futures ETF that, that left and went into these other spot ETFs, much of it. Um, but some of it was, like I said, these traditional financial players that don't necessarily want super long-term exposure to Bitcoin. They viewed this as a special situation investment, short-term trade. So one of the bigger surprises, the minute these got approved and the minute they got fake approved uh, the day before, <laughs> everyone will remember, was that Ethereum pumped. Right. So we didn't really see Bitcoin price go up massively. We saw Ethereum price go up massively, which I think everyone says uh, the second the Bitcoin spot narrative, ETF narrative died, they were approved. Time to start talking about an Ethereum spot ETF. But the SEC clearly saying uh, not quite yet. We did have Hester Peirce come out and say that, uh, you know, it's not going to take a lawsuit. Now, we don't want to be arbitrary and capricious, but we also know that she's not Gary Gensler and doesn't speak for the SEC in general. But the SEC delayed decisions on Grayscale, BlackRock, Spot, Ethereum, ETFs. That's what we basically have uh, seen here. That's what's going on. Can you give us a timeline of what to expect and where you guys are now handicapping the Ethereum Spot ETF? Yeah, we haven't put out an official number. We're, we're over 50%. I've seen others like JP Morgan and some other people said they're below 50% essentially. Um, and I'll just give you my base case and my base assumption. I kind of am with Esther Purse. I just 
think the path of least resistance, and I've said this on your show before, I, I viewed the SEC kind of veering and pivoting away from fighting Ethereum and Bitcoin on this front, and they're going to go basically wage war on the rest of crypto. So I think the path of least resistance here is just to approve these things. The dates to watch are VanEck is May 23rd. That's their final deadline. That's the equivalent of ARC and 21 shares January 10th, which is the first final deadline. So that's the date I'm really watching. That said, I am nowhere near as confident as we were with the Bitcoin ETFs. I'm probably around 60% because the, my, like I said, my we don't have a lawsuit. Is, yeah, there's <laughs> we no don't have lawsuit. A lawsuit. <laughs> there's some, the, the, the CME Ethereum market is way smaller. There's way less volume. There's way less open interest. Um, so the SEC could kind of draw distinctions there. They could try to draw distinctions with the proof of stake versus proof of work. There's a lot of avenues they can go to kind of kick this can down the road further. My base case, like I said, probably around 60, 65% range is I think they get approved. We'll have more, we'll know more in the coming months if they, depending on what filings we see, what the SEC says to these issuers. Um, but there's the, 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 the confidence, there's too many things up in the air here right now, right? So um, like I said, I think the path of least resistance is just to approve these things and get them in a regulated wrapper, uh, allow ET to convert to an ETF. That said, the, the flip side is, Gary can just wait till a court forces him. My 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 return to that would be: Do you think he wants to go to a court in front of potentially the same judge at the same court and be told virtually the same thing, which is in, which is indeed likely or possible to happen? Like that just is not something I would want to deal with if I'm a politician. So that's the I'd way I look at it. But there's a lot great to use of taxpayer money. Just a great yeah. use of taxpayer money. Send the SEC back to court to lose again to the crypto industry. So we're talking about potentially four months, but we can all assume that it's only happening if Gary feels like he's forced to do it, right? I mean, there's, there's no like a willful compliance here. Yeah, that's my yeah, that's my base case. I mean, it, he doesn't even have to be forced. Like I said, I, I view the SEC as kind of pivoting away from ETH and Bitcoin. I don't think the SEC is going to come out and claim Ethereum is a security. If they do right. that, they will be fighting not no only the DeFi industry, they will be going against the CFTC as well. They would have to delist CME Ethereum futures. They would have to possibly delist the the Ethereum futures ETFs, uh, which they de facto they went out and approved in October of last year. So there's a lot of things that I just don't think are going to happen. But he might find a way to just kick this can down the road another year or a few months or, or what have you. So I wouldn't be shocked either way at this point. Whereas when I was talking to you in December, I was basically like I would be absolutely shocked if they deny these things. So uh, when Solana ETF. <laughs> that's not going to happen anytime soon i hear most the number one question i get now XRP. Is, is ripple everyone's asking about ripple and there's a, the xrp army is a little bit crazy uh i'll stop no, there uh, no <laughs> but no, but guys it, the courts no. could literally the supreme court could literally say that xrp is not a is is not a security and you still aren't getting an etf because there is no regulated market with Bitcoin, it was the CME that's futures right. Market. You have the CME futures for both Ethereum and Bitcoin. What regulated market do you have for XRP? It wasn't even listed on Coinbase. Yeah, they you have nothing. It. You have nothing. So I mean, that could change, obviously. But right now, even if we had a Supreme Court ruling right now, as far as I'm concerned, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to get an ETF through the SEC. And where would the demand be? I mean, right, we were all excited, I guess, in theory, because it was a stepping stone, the Ethereum futures ETF. But they, I mean, talk about a flat launch. Oh my Those God. Nothing. I had low expectations. So Eric, Eric had relatively low expectations, and we were arguing because I was even lower than him. And then it was even it was less than half of my expectations. So it was it was a it was a flop. I think there's a few things for that. One, um, you look at the traditional financial world, and it's very easy to talk about digital gold. There's a good narrative for for Bitcoin. People just look at crypto and they think Bitcoin. In many cases, uh, they don't understand the nuances and difference between Ethereum and Bitcoin. Um, and so talking about Ethereum is a little more abstract to them. Um, so that's part of it. The other part of it is it's a futures ETF. Advisors, the people that are going to hold these things long term, they don't like futures ETFs. There's a reason Bido like did really well out the gate and then never got more assets because people don't want to hold ETFs that roll futures. Look, the Bitcoin futures ETF underperformed spot by 16% in 2023. So yes, the Ethereum futures ETFs are probably good trading vehicles not going to be the best for long-term type exposure. And I think people are expecting to see an Ethereum ETF launch possibly in 2024. So like, I'll, I'll just wait. Like, I don't, why do I need to buy this Ethereum futures ETF? Um, so I think all three of those things are, are probably playing a role here. Perfect, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything I missed? 
By the way, I know we got like two minutes. Is there anything I missed that uh, I should have asked you about? Anything that should be on people's radar? No is an acceptable answer, by the way. Uh, I mean, the one thing I'm watching is, so when we started, GBTC was more than half of the volume across all the spot Bitcoin ETFs. So GBTC plus Newborn 9, it was over 50% was going to GBTC, which was probably a lot of like arbing and selling of GBTC itself and buying of these other ETFs. That number is steadily going down. Um, so now we're seeing things where IBIT was for a while yesterday was trading more than GBTC itself. Awesome. Um, so there, there was there was a bunch of things here. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for uh, keeping us all grounded and reminding us that these are actually successful and to stop bitching about everything because that's what our community does. We just cry about everything. Say it was a failure. It was bad uh, that uh, everybody was against us. These are great. They're doing well and they're only going to get better in my humble opinion. Uh, and so, uh, once again, appreciate you coming on and discussing these. I'm sure, we've got uh, other shows to go talk about this on. We're, we're, I'm looking forward to you guys getting really busy in Ethereum uh, spot ETF season. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get there. I would echo just what you said. Just relax, everybody. It'll it'll take time. I've been saying it from the get go. Just give it a few weeks to a month, and we'll see how these things start to shake out. It's going to take time. And these platforms, they're where the real money is, which we, that's one thing you asked if we didn't talk about it, where the real money is, these wirehouses, these brokerage platforms where advisors are buying these things, um, they aren't yet ready Mailable. to approve these things. Yeah, yeah, you can't do it yet. So this money is not from even where most of the money is. So it, it remains to be seen if those types of advisors and brokers really want to put this in their client accounts, we'll find out. But there, there is so no little. way to buy it right now in most cases. So It's going to take we're, so we're, little though. Like we don't need them to come in with hundreds of billions of dollars. Like it's, uh, you know, another billion here, another billion there over a month here, a month there. These things are just going to grow rapidly. And there's no reason to think that we're going to see outflows anytime soon. So absolutely love it. All right, man, James, thank you guys. Follow James, please. Uh, you don't have to wait for him to be on this show to get the constant updates on what's <laughs> going on in ETF land. I literally have alerts on for uh, your tweets, which is like one of three people. So that's that really impressive. Anything, yeah, there Thank you go. You. All right, man. James Safer, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, buddy. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. Well, I did ask about a Solana ETF, kind of half sarcastically, but if we're talking about uh, price, we know that Bitcoin is back above 43,000. It bottomed around 38,600 when I guys show, showed you guys that there was bullish divergence with oversold RSI on the four-hour chart. We were likely to bounce, and we did. And now we have Solana AVAX lead crypto market recovery. Bitcoin tops 50-day average before meeting. We're going to talk about all of this now. It's been a while since we've gotten uh, gotten together. We got Wick here to discuss the market. What's up, buddy? How are you? Hey, Scott. Doing well, man. Uh, doing good. I took a little break last week. As you know, I had some troubles at the uh, office, but uh, it's nice to be back now, especially that uh, you know crypto is having a little bit of a bounce. Yeah, you took the, you took the perfect time off. Right. I know, right? You took, you took off the retracement and you showed back up uh, when things were looking good. Uh, what are you looking at right now? I'm going to go up, go ahead and bring up your screen. I think we always kind of start with Bitcoin and go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So let me uh, let me enlarge Bitcoin here. So this is just the weekly chart. Again, I like to do this just to give uh, people perspective and bring them back to kind of where we are, right? If ever you're in fear and the charts are too volatile for you, simply just go back to the weekly. So that said, let's see where we are on the weekly chart of Bitcoin. So of course, this was the bear market. We are below the track line, which is bearish. We have red dots, which is microtrend bearish. Bars, macrotrend bearish. We go through this bear market. We start hitting some bottom signals. Breakout on green dots. This is your stage two. If uh, For those of you that are new following me, I'm all about catching stage twos. Okay, that's your stage two uptrend. Uh, in cycle analysis, we go to the stage two, we go into some consolidation, we then get a breakout arrow, your parabolic stage two. Now, what's interesting about parabolic stage twos, um, and I've been telling everyone this, for me, it's very easy. Whenever an asset goes parabolic, I simply just watch the green dots on the weekly, and it's as simple as that, right? So as you can see, it's kept the green dots the whole time, and we've had no worries. We had a little bit of a correction here. And um, Scott, when I was on your show before, I talked about possibly seeing a 30% correction before the halving, which is this right here. And this might have been it, right? We'll have to see and wait and see if we get another correction or not. But we're having a really great reaction off that correction. And as you can see, we are above the track line holding green dots. So I'm still very bullish on Bitcoin. I never stopped being bullish. And um, 
yeah, I'm glad to see we're we're out of that retracement, out of that correction. Yeah, I've literally been watching it on the daily I, on Trading Alpha, obviously, which is just what I do now. I've been sharing it. I even <laughs> shared it on uh, Twitter in the newsletter. But yesterday, I was kind of watching the daily and waiting for a green dot, right? Because we had broken back <laughs> above the track line. I shared that, and I said, you know, no more red dots. We're back above the track line. But we did finally get the green dot back on the daily yesterday. So now we're green dots, literally weekly, all the way down every time frame I can see. The system works, man. So last time I'll show this, you go parabolic here. If you check what happened last time, we got a breakout error on green dots going parabolic. It was right here, right? And as you can see, as long as you follow those green dots, right, even when they have a little bit of consolidation like we had right now, a little bit of a correction, um, you know, they usually keep they the move pretty in. well. Let's move yeah. to the next asset. So I know everyone was talking about um, real quick before we go on. Bobby sure. asked, "What chart indicators are those?" These, this is Trading Alpha. They are his indicators. Uh, I use them as well, and it's down in the description if you want more information. But go ahead. Yeah, for those that, that don't know, I've been trading since I was about 21 years old. Uh, for those that don't know my age, that's very long. And these are my customized indicators. Um, I love them. And if anyone wants to hear more about them, you can go check them out at the in the comment section. Go to our website. And uh, I'm sure we'll have a sale coming up here soon. We don't have one because we just had one about a month ago. But uh, yeah, trading alpha indicators. Let's go and check out Ethereum. Yeah. Or first of all, let's check out iBit. Okay. So this is very interesting to me. So iBit is really cool. Um, this is the BlackRock ETF, guys. This is the BlackRock Black ETF. ETF. So as you can say, see, as we opened with the BlackRock ETF, it was just a pool of blood. We started hitting some bottom signals, right? As you guys know, I look for ones that kind of look like a double bottom. We got a little double bottom here. After you get your double bottom signal, it's pretty simple. You wait for a green dot for confirmation, baby, and that's it. So we get our bottoms here, and you can see it's within the structure. You got your stage four downtrend. You go into your stage one sideways basing pattern, waiting for that stage two breakout, right? Like I always talk about, like I'm trying to catch. So I was starting to pay attention here. Boom, we got our first green dot on a breakout arrow. It's been up ever since. And this ETF is finally looking good. And I mentioned when the ETF came out, Scott, that um, I think we're going to have a, a really good reaction from it. But I think it's going to take uh, a month or even a couple months to kind of get everyone kind of positioned, right? And um, I'm glad we're kind of seeing that now. But I did call this uh, on Twitter when we had this breakout arrow. So for those of you that don't follow me, and if you don't have our indicators, know that I give these setups all the time. So iBit is finally looking good. Now, if we switch to Ethereum, which is one of the more interesting uh, charts for me, not because the chart looks great, but because of the background, the backdrop that we have, right, of that Ethereum ETF, which I think is definitely uh, next up on the on the chopping block. And you can see what Ethereum's done, right? It's interesting to look at the price action relative to all the emotions. So what we're doing here is we're doing bullish consolidation right below a resistance zone. And Scott, to be honest with you, I'm actually very shocked that um, retail hasn't taken us higher. I mean, we know what the layup is. It's coming. Uh, you and I know it. We've been waiting. We've been waiting for this for quite a while, right? We were talking about this when we had bottom signals over here. Um, but yeah, as soon as we start getting news of that ETF, this thing is going to do the same thing that Bitcoin did. It's going to go up until the ETF uh, 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 approval, I think, in my opinion. What do you think, Scott? I 100% I agree, but then I opened the, the chart for ETH BTC, right? Because ETH USD <laughs> does look great to me. But you open ETH BTC, you got red dots on the weekly, below the track line, you go to the daily, nothing but red dots below the track line. You even go down to like a four-hour absolute slaughterhouse. Like I've been Absolutely. thinking that ETH BTC is going to reverse uh, for ages here. It had reversed off these lows, if you know my other charting style, of course. But I did say this is the resistance you're watching. And it got squarely rejected there. And RSI is coming back for the retest. So I think ETH BTC is bottoming here personally again. So, yeah. No, I, until it I, breaks I, out, it's kind of hard to, to trust it. But uh, the chart is normal. It just hasn't happened yet. Right. And like I, I personally think it's important to be in ETH before this happens and have some exposure. But a lot of people are going to wait, obviously, until it's beating Bitcoin badly. That's how it always works, right? And I, I agree with you, Scott. I think that ETH BTC uh, chart is going to turn around very quick. Uh, I don't think a lot of people are going to have a chance uh, to really um, catch what's happening because it just takes one announcement for that ETF, right? One little news event that the market likes to break through this resistance, um, and, and then we're gone. So, so yeah, sleeping giants, as we've been calling it, love it. Uh, what a perfect time to transition to Solana, which you guys have been talking about all morning. 
So let's start on the daily chart and then we'll go to the weekly chart. So um, this has been, you know, I'm not even going to say one of my favorite positions now anymore. It's been my favorite position. It's been my biggest position. Uh, this is the daily chart. As you can see above the track line, green dots, we get some strength arrows, not to be confused with the actual breakout arrow, which is greener. And we go into our stage two. Once we go into our stage two, we go basing stage three. Above this line, we'll be breaking out into stage two again, right? It's all just about catching these stage two is it's the easiest thing to do. Once the green dots go above the track line and they go parabolic, it's just stay with the green dots. So where are we now? Since we had such a great performance in uh, Solano, we did have a really nice pullback. We actually did get some red macro bars, which I actually wanted to see because what I'm doing is I'm, I'm actually watching this and following my position on the weekly, but it's nice to get a pulse check on this daily. And where are we now? We're getting a really nice bounce. Um, I like to pull up the weekly chart because this is the actual thing that I focus on. I don't really uh, take any cues from the from the daily chart anymore on, on Solana specifically because it's so volatile, Scott. But look at this. Uh, look at this again, right? We go it's into our stage one, stage yeah. one basing, break out into stage two, Scott. Goes parabolic. What do we do? We follow the green dots. The price is above this green track line. We got that check. We got green dots. That's your second check. Green bars. That's your third check. Starts going parabolic here. I got everyone in here in this this stage two breakout part one. Stage two breakout part two, you just hold the dots. That's what you do. And right now we're still sitting on green dots. Even that big correction didn't fake you out with these. And that's why I love this um, this play whenever it goes parabolic. Solano looks great. I think it won't be, but maybe a couple weeks now until we actually break these highs, in my opinion. Great. And, um, and of course, you can see here, I mean, we've still got a very long way to go, even to meet the, the all-time highs, which I think we're going to completely blast through. Uh, with Solana in this in this bull market, Scott. Yeah, it was pretty funny. You weren't here. So actually, like last Tuesday, I totally spontaneously said, oh, he's not coming. Let me look at some charts. Uh, <laughs> and so I opened Solana. And actually, so I had this zone, this blue zone right here, like slightly lower, something like this. And then I said, wait, you know what? I'm going to adjust it for this little wick right here. And price was touching it. I have yep. been talking about bidding 75 to 77, but that's like 80 uh, and so I only got 25% of my uh, position filled, if I'm being honest, but it would have been nothing. And I literally just like market bought right there. 25% of my position, about $80, $81 because I saw that. So I was already seeing that line up, you know, at that bottom. That looked, when I saw that kind of starting to form, we were at uh, support. And now you got the break back above the 50 MA also on the daily. And you have the break of this resistance and retest and support and heading up. And I think actually on uh, on Trading Alpha, you've got a, a squeeze as well. You know? Yes, yes. So, so these squeezes, I mean, dude, this is a lot of bullishness. <laughs> no, it's 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 hundred percent bullish. And and what Scott's talking about is when you have this track line and you have green dots, a lot of times what will happen in a healthy market on a healthy asset is you'll actually have the pullback come and try and touch that green uh, track line and bounce off of it. Right. Sometimes what happens, and I actually measure measure what I call relative strength like this is when it can't even touch the green line, the track line, right? Which is what we see here with it, with Solana because it's the strongest asset in the market, right? So we go up, we pull back, we can't even touch this track line for a bounce. But I think that's what Scott's talking about. A lot of times when we do have these corrections, yeah, if we get a good reaction off of the track line, it's a great time to buy, a great time to average in more of your position. So for those of you that like DCA, uh, that's also a really great move. But you got to be careful because if an asset is way too strong, you won't even get that retest, right? And that's what we've been seeing with Solana last cycle. And it's kind of what we're starting to see now. Um, absolutely, Scott. So uh, really hey, cool. Hey, can I ask you something just back to Bitcoin really quick? I know that sure. that wasn't the plan. But OK, so I have the weekly here. Obviously, we hit the golden pocket and dropped. This was savage price action, the wick up and the wick down. But now, you know, we have this sort of weekly hammer and reversal looking here. That was a perfect touch of support uh, of uh, support as well, kind of like Solana did. Ethereum did the same thing in a key area. And now the daily is back above the 50 MA, which I think is kind of huge personally, because it hadn't been below it since 26,000. Right. So we had the big day yesterday where you got the green dot. I mean, do you think in your is mind, confidently on a daily chart, right? Scott, what are you looking that, at? This was daily. These were weekly. Sorry, weekly, weekly. And then daily back above the 50 MA. I mean, do you think that with all these signals and trading alpha going green again there on the daily with the green dot that we can confidently say for now the bottom's probably in? 
Yeah, no, look, um, that bottom, that bottom is definitely in for the correction that I was waiting for. Okay. If you're just going to ask my opinion and opinions come and go as they do, right. A hundred percent, in my opinion, when, when, when I saw this, uh, take that and flip back up this right here, um, is a, is a sign of strength, right? You're actually getting a sign of strength that's flipping. So in my opinion, yeah, hundred percent, it would be a very good bet, a high probability, let's say that this did put in the low for the, uh, uh for this too. correction. Didn't want to get past Bitcoin without asking that question. All right. So we took some requests too. So what, what, what else do we got? I think I see Lincoln FTM up there, which I saw in the requests a bunch of times. Guys, every Tuesday right before the stream or Monday night, we did before the stream. We asked for requests on, on uh, Twitter X and John takes the ones he likes the best and, and brings them up. So that's how we got these. There you go. So, uh, no, so, so from Solana, but what I want to point out is this. Okay. So we do have two of these requests here. Um, and it's obviously this person uh, is trying to figure out what to do on this one here. And the same thing on FTM, right? Because FTM is actually lost green dots here. And it brings up a good chance for me to kind of uh, just help educate some of the members that do have the indicators here. So when you see something like this, you can see that losing the green dots, this does not have a lot of strength. The market has rebounded uh, the last couple of days and you've seen nothing here, right? So this is telling you that FTM really has weak relative strength i mean it, look, i mean look how long it has been without the dots once it got the bottom signals green dots I've broke noticed. out looking great yeah. so when you see something like this guys on the, on the weekly chart it might be uh better to you know if you're in this position i don't want to give any advice but you know i like to rotate into assets that are in stage twos right i don't like to cry and 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 just sit in this while it's not doing anything. I like to get out of this and make sure that my money is working for me. So I wouldn't get into a chart like that. When you compare it to something like Link, you see how many green dots Link has. It lost it maybe once right there, but it's kept it for the majority of the time while it's doing this bullish consolidation. So I actually like Link a lot better than I like FTM. Okay, because you can see the relative strength is on Link's side. It seems that it seems like Link is obviously just waiting. Right, we got a little. Uh, resistance zone here and it's just waiting for um you know the market to pick up to break out here so whoever asked for link i think link looks great i think this is bullish consolidation easily seen by the green dots that aren't stopping that much again when you compare it to ftm uh it's pretty obvious so uh yeah that's what i think i love i love link i'm not a fan of ftm yeah, kind of the, it's funny, I, I have a link chart just happened to be pulled up and my, you know, that same resistance zone pulls back to sort of the highs here, but that's all the way back to March of 22. And you can see that we're struggling, exact same idea, but above the 200 MA, above the 50 MA and link talking about stage one and stage two. I mean, this base from June, maybe you can even say here, May of 22 until it finally broke out in October of 23. We were talking about this the whole time. I mean, this was like, the mother of all consolidation. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. You know, if I can actually shed a little bit more light here, I can talk TA for days. So um, this here, okay, so this stage one basing that Scott's talking about obviously went on for very long. Each one of these bars is an entire week, okay? Um, and this is a very good uh, a, a point to one of the lessons that I give uh, a lot of people. A lot of times in my Discord in the past, I've given this, but um, the OGs of crypto, right? If you were here in 17 or before that, what they like to do is they like to find these basing patterns after you've had a, uh, a bear market, right? And then they just buy the basing pattern and they simply just wait until it breaks out. Okay. Um, that's been a, 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 a strategy for many of the OGs. They love this. And I absolutely hate this strategy. Okay. And let me tell you why, let me shed some light on if any of you guys are doing this and just holding all this time on assets that are basing. Um, why, why don't I like that? If, if there's going to come a stage two afterwards that we always love to catch, why don't I just buy it in the stage one, John, and just wait, right? It's simple. I'll tell you why, because stage one basings can go on for days, weeks, months. I've even seen them go on for years. So what happens is you're stuck in here. This is basing for so long. You see other assets that are breaking out into stage twos. Eventually, a lot of times what happens is the person gets so sick of waiting, they get out of this position, they get into the stage too late, and then they're stuck in a stage three that might break down into a stage four. Okay. So they completely ruin it by trying to wait in this too long. I think it's opportunity cost waiting in these stage one basings. I think it's much more simple to to look identify. At that. Look, if you had bought that in September of 22, you would have sat in it for over a year and it already looked like it had been consolidating. And you would have like dealt with, you know, up to nine or $10 and down to $5, which is still major volatility in that base. 
Brutal, brutal, absolutely brutal. And, and yeah, absolutely, Scott. So this is why this is actually a perfect chart for me to bring up that point. If you're buying stage one basings, guys, rethink that because if you can identify stage one basing enough to buy it, then you can identify it enough to wait for that stage two breakout and just buy the breakout, right? You'll get a little bit of fake outs here, like you did here, here, and here. I mean, I'm just going to say it. If you have our indicators, they break out on green. So, um, yes, yeah, Scott, uh, absolutely. So is there anything else you want to check out, Scott? Any charts? Any other charts? Yeah. Uh, can you look at AVAX? Because that was in that title, having outperformed, and I haven't looked at it. So if you have one, I'm going to pull it up myself. Let's do it. And let's automatically an jump to a weekly chart just to get clarity. Okay. So here we are, right? We go through this stage four bearish uh, bear market. We're under the track line. Now, guys, again, it's this, this stuff that you know, that, that I've made here, my, my work, it doesn't just work for breaking out. It also works for keeping your money, not losing your ass. So as you can see here, as long as this price action in bear markets, right? If we've identified the stage two, stage three, stage four, once it goes below this track line, you do not buy this at all, right? Especially when it's red, but just being a below the track line in the bear market, you just don't buy this at all. It's all red, all red, all red. You start to get your stage one basing. You can then go ahead and actually draw and define that stage one basing as being right there. Okay, so there's your basing. We have a little deviation out of the basing, which no, which happens a lot of the time before we break out. In fact, when I define my stage one basings, a lot of the time when it starts to kind of deviate underneath, I start to think to myself, okay, is that what we need for the leg up? And sure enough, right, we're above and below the track line. We actually want to see that in a stage one basing. It's one of the ways I teach my members to identify these stage one basings. But then eventually that resistance that we drew over here, you got a strength arrow, consecutive green dots. This is going up at a faster rate than it's gone before. And what do we know? Consolidation, bullish consolidation, breakout into stage two. In fact, this was your breakout here. This was your long signal right here break out into stage two. You can do this on any chart, guys. As long as you can identify the stage one basing that came after the bear market, you can do it without the indicators. But I'm telling you what, it's a hell of a lot easier when you got them. So then the question is that I want to ask, because a lot of these have broken out and people are looking for new trades, right? So if we look in hindsight, we say, yeah, AVAX was a great buy here. Link was sure. a great buy here. Solana was a great buy here. How do people screen through a bunch of different charts and you know set an alarm, which you can't do on TradingView today, by the way, they're doing maintenance, but set an alarm for when this stage one breakout ends. Like, you know, you were looking at FTM, doesn't look good. How do we not miss it when it does? That's a good question. So let's go to FTM and, and look at that, right? So, so what you're looking at here, if you have missed the move and you really want to do FTM, I'm going to start looking at levels. So I'm probably going to look at this level right here. Probably going to draw a resistance right there, and I'm probably going to take a step back on a macro uh, 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 scale, right, and say to myself, "Okay, if you really want to be in this move, the best thing to do, obviously, is wait for green dots to come again. But then you're going to have resistance here, so you can play that little arbitrage play right there, or that little um, piece out that one. But for me, really, it's going to be breaking above the resistance that it couldn't break through before." Um, and that's probably going to come later on in the bull market, right? R when liquidity's already flowed through the large caps, the mid caps, and now it's recircling back into into the lower caps, right? That's when you might get that play, right? Like on on this one or on Dogecoin. Um, so I think those plays are all coming, but they're later. And if you can draw a resistance line and just know where that level is that it just couldn't get back before, that's the real one, right? That's the real one that you wanted to break for for this technically. Uh, 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 to really start to go into that stage two parabolic phase, which this one Perfect. just couldn't do. So draw a line, set an alarm, and close that chart forever until it hits. That's my favorite because then you don't have to click through and obsess over them over and over and over and over and over again. So guys, listen, tell you, I say it every time. They, you know, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You guys have looked at my blue and gray charts, which I, of course, still use for, for years. I have to say, dude, you probably tried to sell me on this how long ago <laughs> dude i've been trying for years you just wouldn't listen to me i was so I, it was so dumb um but i was so resistant and then finally like you kept sending me videos and kept saying look at the back testing look at this and uh -huh. now guys like this is what i use i'm just telling you it's what i use you see it in my newsletter you see it on twitter you see it here i still the green and red still triggers me which is why i use blue and gray it keeps me calm but that's cool because I'm getting triggered, but I've got the dots to show me exactly what I'm looking at. 
But guys, I mean, it really, I'm genuinely, we would not be doing this. He would not be a guest on this show unless it was something I was using and believed in. Pretty, uh, it's pretty compelling. I know I, I see comments are like, if this worked, uh, everybody would be rich. Well, not, not that many people are using it. So that means you can get an edge, right? In my opinion. So I think it's a great thing. No, Scott. And you know, what's, what's so uh, vindicating for me is when I hear how excited you are about this. So uh, thank you for just giving me the chance to uh, show you my work here. I appreciate the, uh, I bother him in the background all the time, guys. It's not just <laughs> on Tuesdays. Yeah. So you can obviously get these uh, b- below if you guys are interested, but like, uh, like he said, you know, follow zero hedge underscore on X because he does give away a ton of this for free. Like if you don't can't afford the indicators, you're not actively trading. At least you can follow him and, uh, you know, he's going to give you triggers on some of these things uh, just because that's how he tweets, right? So I think that's a really valuable follow. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. Zero Hedge underscore. And thanks for having me on, Scott. I appreciate it. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Uh, We will see you hopefully next Tuesday. All right. I'll see you next Tuesday for sure. All right, everybody. We did ETFs again. Didn't even do a shot every time we said ETF this time. The, The hype is dying. We are very hesitant to put ETF into the title. Did not do that uh, because we saw that uh, we don't really get the engagement when we do that anymore. But uh, yeah, Solana skyrockets. Should you buy altcoins? Looks like a lot of them are looking good. And the answer to that question to me at this point would be buy select altcoins based on the chart. Don't just buy altcoins. And I do think that the Bitcoin bottom looking like it is in. I think that's all we got today. Obviously, Twitter spaces in about 20 minutes. Thank you to James Safert and to Mr. Wick for joining. You should be following both of them. Their uh, Twitter right down in the description. That's all I got for you guys today. We'll come back with a giveaway again tomorrow when, when Misha's back. We will do that. I didn't forget. All right, guys. See you tomorrow. Bye. That's dope.